I'm Leanne Tran, psychologist who's worked with families whose kids don't fit the mould for almost 20 years. I've worked with children for decades, but I know parents are the real change makers when it comes to their kids. Having three kids of my own means I know it's not easy. Parent Like a Psychologist is all about simplifying how you support your kids with psychology information filtered through years of experience to take you from overwhelmed to confident. Come on in. Hello, thank you for joining me again today. It is back to school week um, as I'm recording this episode. By the time you're listening to it, it may already be in week two. and probably by then you'll be so back into the school routine it will be like you never had a holiday. Um, I've had a good break over the summer holidays uh, and in fact so good a break that I was left a little bit um, behind the, I don't know what the right phrase is, but behind in my preparation for back to school. I'm usually quite organised and have it all done with heaps of time, but this time it was down to the wire to make sure um, stationery was labelled, we had uniforms that fit and that kind of thing. So very out of character for me. I must have relaxed quite a lot. (laughs) Um, uh, But that's good because I feel quite energised to get back to work, uh, working with all of your beautiful children in 2024. It's tiring working with kids um, or being with kids, playing with kids. I don't know if you noticed that over the school holidays, uh, but it is really tiring. So I needed a good break to have my energy back for this year. Um, It did leave me scrambling a little bit though, and I knew things would be all right, but sometimes, well, I think it was a little bit stressful for my um, kids or one of them this kind of rush before school started again and it made me think about um you know I knew it would be okay and was reminding them it was going to be okay but it made me think about what the important parts are for success at school um because sometimes I think that smooth start really helps to kind of be calm and um organized and confident and Reflecting on that, and I guess the fact I'd been away from psychology work for a, a few weeks, I thought I should look look that up to see whether that view of mine is consistent with research as well, because sometimes um, we have views that actually aren't supported by um, the science. So I read some articles and found some interesting things that I wanted to share with you today. So I was thinking about the factors for school success, but most information I found was um, talking about school success as measured by academic results or performance. And for me as a psychologist, I think there's so much more that's, um, I think that's one small part that we could use as a measure, but really success is much broader than that. And to me, I had this idea that it was more about you know, well-being and adjustment of being at school as well. And I came across an article that was talking about how those two ideas, though, well-being for students and academic achievement were at odds with each other, which is not how I imagined it. Um, And so this, 
this article, which was by, um, let me find it for you. I think it was from the UK. So Gabriel Heller Salgren, Salgren, Heller Salgren, it's um, hyphenated, was talking about how the two ideas go against each other. And so if you want to encourage academic performance, you can't have well-being. You can't teach well-being or have that at schools. And if you want to teach well-being, you can't have academic results. Um, and it kind of didn't sit right with me. So I did a little bit more reading and found a um, great article by, sorry, Tanya Clark, um, a recent article, so from 2020, talking about um, how that's a pretty dangerous way of talking about it. And the trade-off is likely um, not there. And that was a really interesting article, and I'll go through some of the parts um, that were in there that I found supported the way I was thinking about school, but also some things that you can do as parents as well um, to create a successful experience for your children. Lots of the studies talk about what schools can do, um, but there are a couple of little pieces in there I thought could be useful for parents. So when we talk about well-being, um, it's the definition of that is, well, being well in our being, I guess, is where it came from. So you may know that as an adult instinctively what is good for your well-being and what's not. And well-being is about having the presence of positive emotions and feelings and having not many negative emotions or feelings. And so obviously you will sometimes have some, but overall it's about having things like happiness, um, positivity, confidence, enjoyment of things versus the negative emotions like stress, anxiety, fear, panic, low mood, um, depression, feeling down and that kind of thing. So it means overall you've got more of that positivity than you have of the negative um, emotions and feelings. And so in this article, it was um, talking about how play-based approaches in school um, or child-led learning is another term for it, leads to positive well-being um, for students. And so that's, they defined it as playfulness in lessons. So it's probably play-led when kids are young, um, prep, grade one, two, three, maybe. But even up into high school, early high school, there's that playfulness in lessons can still be there. Um, and that increases kids' feelings of, of well-being overall. I think that's probably linked to the fact that to play and explore and be creative is um, the occupation of kids. So it's what um, they typically devote their time to. And through that, um, they learn. So they can learn through play. So it's showing that it does increase well-being. Interestingly, though, there is... Um, I looked at another article as well by um, <clears throat> Diana Card Cardenas. 
And that's also fairly recent, so from 2022. And she was um, mentioned the trend in well-being decreasing for kids around the world. So at the moment, the trend is that um, the level of well-being our kids have is going down. And some of the factors associated with that um, are suggested to be things like uh, climate change, the political landscape, the economy, all of those kind of things um, that we're experiencing at the moment is leading to kids decreasing well-being uh, around the world. And I think that's why it's often then included in the school programs and curriculums is, um, you know, that focus on well-being. And that's where the original article was saying, well, can we do that or is that going to be at expense of learning? Um, again, I want to remind you that at the beginning I was saying I think that success is about much more than academic success, but um, I think, you know, it's interesting to look at it all. It is, success to me is about much more than school results, but at the end of the day, that's why they're there is to learn as well. So I think you can't just focus on well-being. Um, so <clears throat> the article by, um, where is it, flicking between the two, um, Cardenas was saying that well-being actually improves later academic success. So that was really interesting. And in contrast to the first article, um, it's it's suggesting that rather than being it's one or the other and they're in, in um, contrast to each other, you can have both and one can lead to something else. So their studies, um, their study used NAPLAN results as the measure of performance. And they found that increased well-being led to um, increased NAPLAN results seven or eight months later. Only for numeracy, interestingly enough, don't know why it's not all across the board. And there are a couple of limitations acknowledged by the study because, um, you know, it's the first or one of the first in that kind of area looking at these things. Um, and, but what they did was compare everybody's NAPLAN results um, sorry, how can I explain this in a way that makes sense? Um, they didn't just, they, they counted for the fact that um, kids would be achieving higher results two years later. That, oh, sorry, they, they used the NAPLAN results that kids had done two years earlier and then were looking at the predictions for NAPLAN, the follow-up NAPLAN, but then found that kids um, improved by two points or so um, compared to the prediction if their well-being was higher. So they accounted for a lot of changes like, um, you know, that, that there's ver natural variance in um, NAPLAN results and that kids would achieve higher anyway two years later. Um, so all of that stuff was filtered out of the study. They showed, um, interestingly as well, that where there was lower levels of depression, um, children then increased their reading scores on NAPLAN um, by a bit of a bigger margin, I think. 
And so it's showing that having more positive feelings can increase the score, having less negative feelings can increase the score. And the only part that was a little bit variable was anxiety. Sometimes that increases academic scores um, because kids are quite fearful of negative outcomes if they'll be seen negatively by their teacher or by their parents or that kind of thing. Um, but sometimes it did decrease, sorry, increase this, sorry, decrease the scores as well. Um, and anxiety does things like um, affect our ability to process information and our memory and all of that kind of stuff. So sometimes it increased the scores because um, kids were worried about, you know, not doing well. Sometimes it decreased the scores. So I think it's really tentative and there's a lot more to learn and study in that area. Um, one of the, the things obviously to the limitations is the um, NAPLAN test scores are one really tiny, small measure of um, learning. And so it's, but it's good to use something that's standardized, I guess, but that is a limitation. And the other thing too is that, um, you know, we're only looking seven to eight months in, into the future. So it would be really interesting to see what well-being, um, how in well-being impacts scores years later as well. So originally the idea that you can't have well-being and success, um, but that's kind of been refuted in some part by these Australian results as well. It makes me think then what, how can we kind of increase well-being? What kind of things are um, there to do? And so how the article talks about building well-being is to have um, in, in the school environment, there are some things, and then there are some things that are kind of within the child to look at. Um, so having an ideal school environment is one thing, and that's, um, defined as having kind of a, a I, I would I would interpret that as having it be one that matches your child. Um, that's the ideal school environment. There's no one ideal, it's about the ideal match so that it suits your child. Some things though that might be more broad are things like a positive social climate. And so that is defined as one that, uh, sorry, focuses on um, building belonging and connection in the school community. Um, so having that positive connection between your child and the school is really important. Um, the other study, the one by uh, Tanya, Tanya Clark, that's her, um, talks about how, this is a really interesting fact because um, I mentioned before that worldwide, that feeling of, um, what is it, what, oh, well-being. Gosh, can you tell I've had a long holiday? Um, that's the title of the podcast and I couldn't remember the word. Um, well-being is declining around the world. But in that study, she um, talks about how children's attitude towards schoolwork has remained the same. It's their attitude towards school that has changed. 
So while well-being is going down, they're not viewing schoolwork more negatively. They're viewing school as um, a, a more negative place. And this one, I think it's important to note that is more across that UK area, so not necessarily Australia. But it's interesting that it's not just it. So it's not just about the schoolwork that's affecting well-being. Um, in fact, it's showing that it's not their view about the work. So I think then the key to success at school is probably more about having that well-being um, and focusing on that rather than just focusing on the academics. The article goes on to give more insight into what's a good school climate and what's not. So um, I talked before about having that ideal environment. This article says there are some things that don't help for a school environment. And some of those things are um, test anxiety and a school climate that's kind of all about um, performance and achievement. So that's versus schools that have a positive school environment tend to be focused on kindness and they tend to focus on whole school social and emotional skills and the importance of um, social emotional development across the whole school. So those are the, the school factors in building well-being. There's three last little bits that are about individual children and I think that's where parents can um, in, you know, intervene more. You have more power in changing those kind of things. And they are student mood, life satisfaction, and self-efficacy. So student mood, I guess that's um, something to watch out for as a parent. And all kids have different temperaments. Uh, you might notice that in your own family, even from child to child, or if you compare your family to others. Some children are really quick to have emotional experiences and they have really big, strong reactions that last for a while. Other kids tend to, um, you know, not, not get that upset that easily, or if they do, it passes. And, but what I tell parents to look, so, sorry, take a step back. It doesn't matter. Both those things are okay. Your child's temperament and how they do things is just how they roll. Um, but children who have that more, um, you know, big feelings that stay for longer, that kind of temperament can be more likely to develop anxiety, um, among other things. So it's important to watch out for changes. That's what I talk to parents about. So they will often say they've noticed a change in their child's mood. And that's when you can ask for some help from a psychologist. Um, so you may notice changes in mood that might be feelings or their approach to, to life. They may seem to just be enjoying stuff less. They may seem to be worrying a lot more about the little things than they used to. Um, they could be just down and not seeing themselves, or they could be more irritable, which is a big thing for um, anxiety and depression as well, 
more kind of problem behaviour, but it's more when you feel like it's just not them anymore or they're struggling a lot more than they used to. Uh, that's where you can seek some help um, from a psychologist or some online programs to um, try to dial up that resilience for your kids again. Uh, and so that's one, the first part, student mood is something that can um, affect their well-being. The second thing I mentioned was life satisfaction. And how funny is that as a parent to think about your child's life satisfaction? Because if you judge it as a parent, you think, wow, you have it pretty good. Like you go to school, sure, but, you know, there's not that tension of um, we're adults, we have to you know, we have a job or we're caring for kids all the time and we've got to run the house and do all these other things and life as a kid looks pretty good. I think um, how I talk to parents about that is um, it's definitely not about letting your kids have everything they want and having this a perfect charmed life. It's definitely not. That's not the path to resilience either. But I think it's about focusing on our children's strengths and their interests um, to make sure that they they are enjoying their life. Um, so often if you focus on what your kids are good at and what they enjoy, that's, that's a great path to know what to do. An example of that in real life, I think, is um, when kids have learning difficulties or something like that at school. I will often say, or often parents will say to me, you know, should we do tutoring? And I think maybe, but is your child going to enjoy that? Are they going to be happy with that? Um, sometimes there's a place for it, but often I will say to parents, think about whether you might be better off spending your time and money and your child's time on having them do something that they will really enjoy that can bring them feelings of confidence um, and competence as well. So confidence is feeling that they can do something. Competence is knowing that they're good at something. Um, and sometimes that's a better path for your time and money as well. So I can think of a few kids recently who have learning challenges at school. And rather than that, I, would, I was saying to the parents, look, they really love this sport, maybe just make sure there's a you know time for that or they it doesn't have to be a sport either it can just be a hobby um so you have time where you go and do it together as a family on the weekend or they do it with other kids um so and because why i'm bringing that up in terms of well-being is that um we talked about how well-being is having good positive feelings and not a lot of negative ones and so with this life satisfaction if kids are having doing things that they find difficult and effortful and they don't enjoy and that can be school for lots of kids who have ADHD or are autistic um, as well as learning disorders then countering that negative experience and the feelings that come with it with some more positive experiences in their life can lead to that well-being, which means that then they do actually have more energy um, and time to spend on that difficult academic stuff. So I think my roundabout point I'm trying to get to with the life satisfaction 
is that it's about increasing the positive um, feelings and emotions to counteract any negative ones that might be there. So if you're looking to try to improve life satisfaction, maybe go for the stuff that's enjoyable and positive um, rather than, you know, doubling down on extra difficult stuff. Particularly if your kids are struggling because you can always change it next year or even in the second half of the year. So um, if if you have a sense they're struggling, I'd say focus on the positive stuff first. And then the last one was self-efficacy. And that's a term we use a lot in psychology that means an individual's belief that they can do things, um, that they can be effective at things. So for example, that they can learn or that they can um, develop new skills, learn new things. And I think that comes down a lot to mindset. So developing that sense of self-efficacy with your kids can be through, yeah, it's through mindset. So that can be um, how you talk to your kids or it can be programs that they might do at school or outside school. And one of the good programs um, that I use a lot with my kids is the, um, it's a growth mindset program through the Big Life Journal. Lots of schools use the growth mindset stuff as well. Um, You may have heard that kind of phrase. If not, have a look at the Big Life Journal website um, because they have some really easy to understand things. That's why I love kid resources because they're easy for adults to read and get it and then you can help your kids with it. Um, But how I do it with my kids too is to think with their self-efficacy, it's focusing on what they can do, um, give them opportunities to try and do things for themselves because that really builds that self-efficacy. And then the growth mindset part of it is acknowledging there might be some things that kids, your kids can't do, but it's that they can't do it yet. Um, they still have the capacity to learn, to develop, to practice, to perfect these things. Um, so it's about maybe pointing out the the skills that they have that means that they can be successful at things. And an example of that might be, um, you know, I say this in in therapy work with kids all the time, where I say, I love how you... You took your time to really think about that or maybe if kids are really set on what they want to do you can say I love that you really know your own mind and what you want to do or I love how hard you work at this um, you're really sticking with it even though it's difficult those kind of phrases can develop your child's ability to believe in themselves themselves I think that's the right way to say it so As a summary, I guess I was looking into school success um, and thinking that maybe some of the keys might be other things about, um, you know, more practical stuff or more academic stuff. But then I got sidetracked about this well-being and it really fits with how I want to start the school year. Um, And I hope that you found it helpful to know that Focusing on well-being is great and the academic stuff can come from.
from that focus um, and hopefully a little bit of insight into how you can still promote that well-being and manage it even if your kids do have some challenges at school um, because like I say we can't really control our results we can control our effort and our approach and um, that's that's a good place to start so I'll leave you with that today and hopefully I wish really wish everyone a great start to the year um, because it is a big transition for lots of families it will be nice to have the kids back so there's a little bit more separation rather than that 24 7 um, company we've all had and yeah hope it really goes well for your kids but also for you as parents thanks for listening to this episode of parent like a psychologist if you found it helpful please share on instagram so other parents can benefit too and tag me at leantran psychology so that i can say a big thank you head over to leantran.com.au to join the village for bite-sized psychology tips straight to your inbox I really hope this podcast has brought a new perspective and you a step closer towards a calm parent and a thriving child. Have a delightful day.